Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Hello and welcome into the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I am Eric Pfeiffer, glad to have you along as we continue to promote and explore soil health practices to raise conservation efforts across Indiana and the U.S. Today's show comes from the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation District's annual meeting that happened back on January 13th. I spoke with USDA NRCS Chief Matt Lohr. We'll have that interview coming up later on in the podcast. And also former Indiana State Conservationist Jane Hardesty. She was there at the meeting as well, representing the Soil and Water Conservation Society. We begin today's podcast, though, with a couple of SWCD County Supervisors, and they talk about the importance of the Soil and Water Conservation District and what's happening in their neck of the woods. Let's start things off. Andy Ambrolio is here, Huntington County. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Andy. Yeah, um, I'm from Huntington County, uh, farm about 1,500 acres, and also uh, custom seed cover crops. And Cameron Mills is here as well. Cameron is from uh, my home county, Cass County, where I was born and raised. I'm a Barry. He's not going to hold that against me, though, because he's a Lewis Cass King. Right, Cameron? That's absolutely correct. We won't hold that against you this time. <laughs> so we, we farm in uh, southern Cass County mostly, um, uh, farm about 35, 3,600 acres, and uh, try to cover everything with cover crops every year, if possible. Well, so I want to talk with both of you about cover crops here in just a moment. But first off, let's talk about this meeting in particular. And Andy, I'll start with you. Talk about some of the things here at the Soil and Water Conservation District annual meeting. Uh, some things that you're learning, some some networking opportunities, just a lot going on here at this meeting. Yeah, there's a lot of activity, uh, anything from seed vendors uh, to some of the, the latest research and everything else in between. So uh, a lot of, lot of variety. And Cameron, how about you? What are you getting out of the meeting here today? Well, the meeting today is, is you've got every uh, uh, county represented, and you can you can network really well with a lot of different people from the north to south to, to hear some of their um, uh, strategies and, and ways that they're able to uh, implement programs in their county. And that's very important because not every county is the same. So, so Andy, talk to me a little bit about uh, kind of I'm assuming that your uh, involvement with your uh, – county district had something to do with your conservation practices and maybe your conservation story a little bit and that's what made you want to get more involved talk about that process of getting involved with the soil and water conservation district yeah absolutely um i got asked to uh serve on the board uh probably about six or seven years ago um i was already doing a lot of different conservation practices uh cover crops waterways and things like that and uh our county board uh, had an opening, and so I was asked to serve. Um, currently, I'm the chairman of that board um, and also the assistant uh, region director for my region as well. So uh, it's a great organization um, to get involved with and a lot of leadership opportunities out there. And, and as chairman, what are some of those responsibilities that you have um, and, and in your role as a assistant regional director? Uh, yeah, so I uh, run the monthly board meetings, uh, set the agenda, um, participate in planning um, our field days and different activities that we as a board do. Um, serve a lot of different ways on that. Um, 
kind of a, a face in the community, as you as you might say. Um, and then the region director, um, I just pretty much back up the director. Uh, we plan uh, a few different things, attend the uh, monthly uh, state meetings, um, and, and serve in that capacity. And Cameron, how about you here? I mean, obviously, you know, we talk about everyone has their conservation story, how they got involved in this. How did you get involved? You're relatively new to this uh, role, right? I am as a, uh, as a county supervisor. Yeah, I've only been in, the, uh, in that role for about six months. Uh, took a, pers- a, a position where a, a person was not able to, to finish their term out, so I'm finished uh, working on finishing. Got appointed to that position, working on finishing their term out. So it's been uh, it's been eye-opening to to be a part of the uh, uh, county supervisor role, and um, obviously that role, in my in my opinion, needs to be to serve the community and promoting conservation in our in our county and and all over the state, really. Um, so, but we've been involved in, in conservation practices on our farm before we got into that supervisor role. This is the Hat Soil Health Podcast. It's presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. And and let's talk now a little bit about what goes on on, on your farms. Uh, and, and obviously, while we're talking about this, you guys are, are resources as well. Just you, you know, the, the county uh, soil and water conservation districts, that's what they're there for, resources for folks wanting to get into this. But you've been doing, uh, you mentioned cover cropping for a long time here, Andy. Talk about what's going on on your farm that, that you're really taking pride in and trying to spread the message. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the, the best testament overall is, you know, what, what you can do on your own farm and what you can learn. Uh, over the years, you know, you learn a lot of things not to do, um, and, and you learn a few things that actually do work. Um, so I, I really enjoyed uh, the learning process. Um, as well as, you know, there's not a whole lot of people out there um, that have a lot of experience with it. So a lot of it um, is just kind of uh, learning as you go. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, specific things that, that we can do, um, I do cover crops on every acre every year. Um, that allows me to cut back on uh, purchased fertility. Um, it allows to be able uh, to keep your soil in place, reducing erosion, um, and things like that. And Cameron, I imagine a lot of this is the same for you. Why, why do you get, it, get so involved in cover crops? What got you into it to begin with? Honestly, a long time ago when we first started no-tilling, it was all about economics. It was the sheer reason for getting started. And as we uh, got into this rabbit hole a little deeper, uh, we figured out the cover crop, cover crop aspect of it. And uh, just kind of kept following through. The economics is a huge reason why we do what we do, but as we've learned, I guess we've kind of, I won't say backward engineered, but backward learned some of the benefits to soil health and erosion, as Andy was was pointing out, and uh, really, really have just kind of moved forward with it in the last 15 years. And so our goal is to cover every acre, and, and now we're, we're looking at different aspects in our business of grazing these cover crops to bring a different element of management to our business. Again, this is the Hat Soil Health Podcast, and we're at the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation Districts uh, annual meeting. And and Andy, just talk a little bit about for that uh, beginning farmer. I guess first off, are you getting more farmers that come in and say, you know, I'd like to dip my toe in this a little bit and learn more about it? Is that something that's becoming uh, more of a thing coming in and wanting information from the soil and water conservation districts? Yep, and that's one of our, our main jobs as a district in the county is to provide for the education uh, for people that are interested. You know, we can uh, we have a little bit of cost share money uh, available if they want to try it, but our, our main goal is to educate um, 
different producers in the county. I mean, we're, we're seeing more people come in um, every year. 2019, with, with a lot of the wet and preventive planning, uh, we had a lot of new people through the doors simply because they did not get their cash crop planted, uh, so they wanted to know what their options were. Uh, so we were able to get cover crops on a lot of new acres, uh, maybe guys that have tr tried it um, ever before. Um, so they're getting to be able to see the benefits on their farm this year, not in a way that they had planned on, but kind of as a plan B. Um, and also over the years, we've seen more and more people uh, come into the office and are seeking out the information uh, because either number one, they're having problems um, or they're looking at the economics um, or, or several other reasons. What about in Cass County, Cameron? Are we seeing a lot of folks come in and, and wanting to get in on this? And, and obviously the Prevent Plant Acres did play a big role in this this past year. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely did in our county as well. We had Prevent Plant uh, maybe a little more in the north than we did in the south, but definitely uh, played a big role. Uh, one of the things that, that SWCD, it, you know, as being a supervisor, and, it, and not only just in our county, but any county, it's very important that if we don't have the answers for those um, young people starting out into cover crops and soil health and down that road uh, that we find the, the people are appropriate. So um, the nice thing in, in this organization is you do have a good network of people and, and like Andy is, is, a, is a good resource in his, in his area. We help people in our area and there's other counties that have other good resources as well that we can hook those people up with whatever type of um, soil health practices or cover crop practices they want to achieve. And, and advice for that beginning farmer wanting to get involved. What, what is your biggest piece of advice? Yeah, I think I think it's critical to, to, to stop in your local SWCD office, NRCS office, work with those people closely, they're professionals. And then the other thing that I think is very important is there are, there are farmers that are in your area that do these practices daily. And so I think it's a good thing to, to start to work with your local offices and the farmers and, and create some, some kind of a, a mentorship sort of speak, and be able to help these young guys get started because um, guys like Andy and myself will both agree we've made all the mistakes that we could possibly make, and maybe, you know, through a little uh, organization we could help maybe not make as many, maybe they won't have as many uh, slip-ups as maybe we had. Yeah, and I also think it's important to uh, get connected with a farmer in your area because, you know, you might watch a YouTube video or come to a conference like this where it's people from all over the state, and you might get a really good idea of what somebody's doing but it might not work in your area or it might not work on your farm so it's easy to get discouraged if you try a new idea from somebody 300 miles away and it doesn't work whereas you know somebody in your own backyard might be able to tweak that a little bit to make it work for you. Andy Ambroli, Huntington County, Cameron Mills, Cass County. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on the Hat Soil Health Podcast and enjoy the rest of your meeting. All right, thanks, thanks. for having thanks. us. You are listening to the Hat Soil Health Podcast presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. You can learn more about their efforts and soil health events on their calendar at ccsin.org. Also at that meeting, I had the opportunity to chat with former Indiana State Conservationist Jane Hardesty, and she was certainly happy to be there. Well, it's great to be here at the SWC, the annual conference, because I get to see a lot of my old friends, my past employees. It's just like uh, homecoming week, and I just, I, I miss them all a lot. Uh, but I'm really proud that I'm here to represent uh, the Sonoma Water Conservation Society. Um, this society was formed by Hugh Heyman Bennett, who is the father of conservation, 
back in 1935 when he started the Soil Conservation Service, which is now in NRCS. But this is a professional society that you be a member. It's a member uh, membership organization, um, and it's uh, national and it's international. And most of the states, like Indiana, we have our own chapter. We call it the Hoosier chapter. And it is a professional, non-for-profit, membership-driven organization that really our mission is uh, very similar to what NRCS is, SWCDs, or the partners. And it's to help nurture and grow professional leaders and to help train. There's like, uh, there's training sessions, there's uh, events that we can sponsor that maybe NRCS or the districts or the partners might not be able to do. There's funds that we can get that maybe someone else can't get. And we use that to help kind of blend in and help uh, do some things that maybe they can't get done. But the main thing is, is to promote conservation and it's also to get people more involved with conservation help train them, and help develop even more leaders for the future. Now, you mentioned national and international. We know that words like sustainability and soil health are really big buzzwords right now uh, in Indiana and across the U.S. Talk about what this means internationally. Uh, is this wave going internationally? I tell you, I've been pretty proud of lots of things in my career, but I don't think I've been more proud of how soil health has taken on across this country. You know, there's not too many things right now in society that can go global in a matter of two or three years. And I can tell you, and I'm very proud, Indiana, I will take credit for all the partners here in Indiana, we started soil health in this country. And within three years, it went global. So when you talk about most things don't go global that fast. So that tells you that we are onto something that is definitely going to impact c this country. It's going to impact economy. It's going to impact the whole world. And that's where it's headed. Because I don't think you can pick up any kind of a magazine right now related to agriculture conservation where it doesn't mention soil health. So it's back to the basics. It's not rocket science but it is learning more about the science and the biology, what's going on underground. And our landowners, our producers, are just so excited about having options that they can do now to have a lot of uh, production, uh, income versus you know what you put in it, <laughs> and uh, as far as the money. And so um, it's, um, soil health uh, is being promoted by just about everyone and the Soil and Water Conservation Society of course our mission is also to help promote soil health so we fit right in in um, making sure that the message is out there and um, I tell you, soil health is the answer to where agriculture is headed. You talk about the money and that's a common topic of our Hat Soil Health podcast that we put together and a lot of folks are looking at a lot of these different options they have, all of the money that goes into what they're doing, and they say, well, we can't afford a lot of these soil health practices. That's just not really the case anymore, is it? I would 
I don't have any proof right here to show you, but I know if we pull together some farmers who's been doing conservation practices like no-till, rotational uh, cropping, uh, cover crops, that they will tell you, okay, a few years ago, maybe it was that, you know, we have to put more into it. But now, um, it's, it's one of these things that you're not going to fix it in one year. And I think your better farmers, and by that I mean farmers who are really managing soil health, that they know the patience and what it takes to, you know, work with the whole soil health sustainability practices um, and, you know, try it for, you know, two, three, four, five years and let it actually work. And we're finding now, of course, you know, this hasn't been out there for just, you know, what, four or five years. So farmers who've been doing it and really understand what soil health is, I would venture to say if you had them around the table right now, they would have some proof to show to you that they're probably getting more, um, less input into their operations and getting more output. And I think they're making money. Now, not everybody probably would say that, but I think the majority of them who really is managing and know what works for their farm. Soil health doesn't work on every farm, and, um, but it, it could go a long way as far as managing and knowing the right kinds of practices to do. Jane Hardesty, the Soil and Water Conservation Society, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you so much. Again, this is the Hat Soil Health Podcast. You can find more information about the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana by visiting ccsin.org. And finally, now we have the chance to hear from USDA NRCS Chief Matt Lohr. I caught up with him. He was the keynote speaker at the Indiana Association of Soil and Water Conservation District's annual meeting. The message really hit home that everyone here, everyone in this room, is a soil health, is a conservation partner, right? Absolutely. You know, uh, first of all, thank you for the chance to visit, and I'm very honored to serve as chief of NRCS. Uh, we're a big federal agency, 9,000 employees and 2,500 offices across the country, but, but we can't do it alone. It takes our, the partnership with our conservation districts and certainly our producers and other groups all working together. So the theme of my presentation today was really preaching that collaboration and partnership. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of opportunities. We've accomplished a lot, but there's a lot more that we can do if we if we stay focused on the why behind we do conservation for that next generation and how we can all come together as partners to collaborate and bring resources together. You mentioned the size of your organization, and you talked today about one of the priorities being increasing that size because the demand is there. Are you seeing that that's been the case because the words sustainability and soil health have really started to become buzzwords in the agriculture industry as everyone wants to know exactly where their food's coming from and what it takes to put into that. Are you seeing that you need to grow because of that trend? Well, certainly Congress, uh, you know, for the last several farm bills has uh, appropriated a lot of, of lot of resources to conservation. Uh, we're at over $4.3 billion a year with the 2018 Farm Bill. In order to, to do that workload, you have to have folks in the field offices providing that technical assistance, um, being able to work with farmers to help with conservation plans and help determine if there's a need for a Farm Bill program. So absolutely, sustainability is, is kind of a buzzword you hear now, but really for, for the 
last decade or so, there's been just a renewed push on conservation, recognize the importance of voluntary conservation, because when you can incentivize our producers um, to be able to come together and address the resource concerns and give them the tools to, to fix them, uh, a lot can be accomplished. So yeah, we're right now, you know, we're just under 9,000 employees across the country, but we've demonstrated that we've got a workload for about 11,000. So uh, we're working hard to make sure that we can get the right folks in the right offices to help address the concerns that we have across the country. You mentioned the 2018 Farm Bill. That's been one of your priorities here since taking office. It, it was signed pretty close to you coming into this post. Uh, talk about some of those priorities uh, within the Farm Bill and what you've been working on for the past year uh, to make some of those things uh, become implemented now. Absolutely. So I was a little naive before I took this job because you think that, well, the Congress passes a Farm Bill and, you know, everybody goes to work. But there's a lot more behind the scenes that goes on because for every one of our Farm Bill programs, there's rules and regulations that guide the implementation. And and it literally is a 12 to 14 month process in order to take the current rules and regulations as Congress intended and put staffs and teams of people together holding listening sessions, getting input to actually write the rules that guide these farm bill programs. And so that's what we've been doing. And once um, at NRCS, once we're satisfied with where uh, those rules are, uh, there's a lot more folks that have to weigh in from the undersecretary to the secretary to other outside agencies, the Office of Management and Budget, uh, because we're dealing with a lot of money, right? So to do all of that, it's it takes over a year. We're just in the process of getting our interim final rules rolled out for, for EQIP, for, for CSP, for ASEP, our conservation easement program, and the final one, RCPP, the Regional Conservation Partnership Program. We're expecting those rules to come out any day, at the end of this month, early February. Then once the interim rules are out, there's another process to make them final later on this summer. So it's a lot of behind the scenes work, but the good news is that will help guide the direction of our programs um, over the next several years. So we're trying to streamline, uh, make the process easier, and be able to best utilize these dollars that Congress has appropriated. You mentioned EQIP, and in your presentation you talked about some of the dollars that went toward Indiana, over $23 million, uh, in that space. Talk about how An Indiana fits into this whole soil health and, and conservation uh, scene here in the United States. We keep hearing it's a leader, and maybe some of those numbers kind of relayed that. Absolutely, and I've learned. I've, I've been in town here for about 12 hours, and just the conversations I've had with, with partners and staff and producers, uh, soil health really is uh, it's a top priority. It's top of mind here in the state, which is exciting because it really needs to be. As you know, Indiana is a very high production agriculture state, a lot of row crops, uh, a lot of livestock, and with that comes runoff, uh, manure and fertilizer. Um, so we have to make sure that we're addressing those needs, and so Indiana is a big state. We're really trying to encourage the use of cover crops, uh, certainly to help keep that soil in place. Uh, again, being able to use no-till or, or strip-till instead of conventional tillage. Those are, are basic practices farmers can do. Uh, you know, even with the cover crops, looking at different mixes, it's not just enough to you know plant barley or wheat, but if you can actually mix that up with different species, you get more of an added benefit. So uh, there's certainly a lot more work to go. You know, when you have the water pressures from the Mississippi River Basin and certainly some of the Great Lakes uh, issues that are surrounding Indiana, there's a lot of work to be done, but I've been very excited to see that the folks here in the state, um, they really are uh, top of mind soil health. How can we all work together? And, and it's being demonstrated by the numbers. 
You mentioned soil health being a 2020 priority to, to get that out there more. What are some of the other 2020 priorities? You mentioned customer service and some of those things. Yeah, so one of the big ones I'm really excited about is a, is a mentoring program. Uh, more and more of our, of our new hires are coming from urban areas. They're not farm kids anymore. They don't understand the basics of, of production agriculture and experience firsthand what those practices look like. So we're in the process of putting together a mentoring program with our local conservation districts, identify those farmers that are willing to step up and be a teacher, be a mentor, let staff come out to the farm, ask questions, ride along in the combine, get their hands dirty, and put a, a structured program in place over about 18 months that they feel comfortable really understanding the basics of agriculture in that community. So we'll be, we'll be putting more into this as we uh, uh, get into the National Conference uh, NACD in February, but that's really the goal to make sure that we're, we're, we're hiring folks and training them and mentoring them so that they will want to stick around for a long time. I'm also really looking at you know, agriculture is changing. Uh, there's a lot of young, beginning, small, minority, veteran, uh, underserved areas in agriculture, not traditional agriculturalists, but still play a very important role how we can better uh, de design and develop our programs and outreach to help them understand uh, there's a seat at the table for them as well and being able to connect them with the resources and the educational opportunities uh, and also making sure conservation is a part of that as well. Last one here for me. If if you had a word of advice for maybe some farmers that that aren't jumping in, you know, both feet here into this whole conservation thing, but maybe they've wanted to try to dip their toe in a little bit. The resources that are available out there, what would you recommend that those farmers do? That's a great question, and certainly I, I like how you use the term dip your toe. I think for some farmers, conservation, it, it's kind of still a foreign concept because my dad and my granddad did it a certain way. It's hard. I'm a fifth-generation farmer. I know what it's like to break stereotypes. But I would always say stop by your local NRCS office, visit with one of our employees, um, let them come out to your farm and kind of look at the resource concerns and, and start small. You know, I wouldn't recommend, you know, convert every practice to, to no-till or make sure you've got a certain cover crop on every acre of the first year, but start small. Take a 10-acre piece of the ground or 20-acre piece of ground and experiment with a particular uh, mix on cover crops and, and see what happens. So I, I really think that if we can start small and help them see the benefits, I, I think that's going to be the answer. The other important piece is farmers teaching farmers. You know, I'm I'm a government employee, so I think farmers are much more willing to listen to someone who's actually done it. And there's a lot of soil health champions around the state and around the country that are willing to share. Uh, you know, for farmers that are on the fence, go to one of the local field days that farmers are hosting. Be able to see and talk and listen in addition to going to the local conservation district office or the NRCS office, um, attend some of those field days and just see firsthand. But I, again, I, I can't stress the importance of just starting small, asking basic questions, experimenting and see the results. Good conservation makes good financial sense. There's a financial payoff. And so it's helping farmers change that mindset to see just how important uh, those benefits are. USDA NRCS Chief Mallor, thanks for joining us on Hoosier Ag today. Thank you very much. And that wraps up this month's Hat Soil Health podcast. If you're listening here in Indiana or across the country, thank you so much for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. Hope you learned something. If you have questions, please reach out to the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can find information on their efforts and see the Soil Health Events calendar at ccsin.org. We'll do it again next month. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This has been the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm network.